Hi, everybody. Just wanted to give you a heads up that the next two shows are going to be best of. So among podcast circles, I guess best ofs are considered lazy or radio. Like, oh, just got nothing going on. So just put a best of or even any sitcom does like a highlight reel show when they have nothing going on. In this case, we have four years worth of shows to share and we're in off season mode. So I'm writing up some prospects for prospect live. I'm also hosting a couple things over there, so my schedule's got a little busier, but I wanted to continue to provide weekly content as we always have. And these two clips, the first one is from March of 2016, as Chris and I talk about the Daniel Norris versus Matt Boyd debate. This is when, before they were really fully on the roster. And the next one is a, a Tigers Farm report from May of 2016. So we talk about Dean Green and a couple other players that you totally forgot about. And a hot James McCann hot take I think you'll enjoy. So sit back, enjoy these next two shows. We'll probably be back live if any breaking news or anything happens like that. So happy Thanksgiving for all those who can enjoy it safely, and we'll talk to you soon. Detroit's the new world champion. And look at Fran picking up Lillard. Here's the pitch. He swings as a long drive to right, and it is a home run for Gibson. A three-run homer. The Tigers lead it 8-4 to four in the eighth inning. Go get him, Tiger. Wow. We're all behind our baseball team. Go get him, Tiger. World Series bound and picking up steam. Go get him, Tiger. Welcome to another edition of Tigers SRD on SportsRadioDetroit.com. Roger Steele alongside me, Chris Brown, and my usual tag team partner, Ben Salagi, except he's not wearing a mask. So No, but I uh, am wearing the belts because we are the champs of whatever the hell we're the champs of. I am here defending the title. I, I got nothing. I don't know. I'm stupid. Am it's I, okay. I'm, I'm the challenger. <laughs> You're like our valet. No, you know, the ultimate baseball warrior. No, he's, no he was going to say he's the manager. He's just going to stand oh. like, occasionally with, take, a, take a big league chew and just spit it at the guy in the face and oh, from there. So. Uh, coming up today on Tigers yesterday, we're going to go over the well, we're going over the or the pitching rotation a little bit. I wanted to talk about Boyd versus Norris and how I think Boyd's a better pitch, going to be a better pitcher than Norris. And I know that I might get some crap for that, but uh, we're also going to talk about some of the cuts that were made yesterday, and we'll go into that a little bit. Also, we'll talk a little about what possibility is going to be with the season almost a week and a half away. There's 43 players left in camp, so some position battles we'll get to as well. But the Tigers. On would be Tuesday, they got whopped by Toronto, who the Tigers allowed 23 hits, and the Tigers just had three hits. And so, you know, again, spring training, so you shouldn't have anything to worry about. But uh, finally, Mark Lowe had a solid outing. He went in and struck out Bautista and Troy Tolowski as well. So um, he did pretty well, but then it was Bobby Purnell, who, whose velocity is coming back. Of course, that's we'll get to that rotation of Verlander and the velocity whole velocity thing. But uh, his line, Purnell's line, did not look good. He had a he pitched one one third of an inning, five hits, five runs, four earned runs, and one strikeout. And so Norris left the game with some back stiff back stiffness. And you know, Chris, we talked about this a little bit between Norris and Shane Green being the fifth spot. But you know. The Tigers seem to just, it's just, it's been little injuries here and there. And, you know, we'll get to Victor Martinez too at some point. But, you know, I, I saw Matt Boyd start against the Cardinals. 
His mm-hmm. his whole entire delivery looks a little different. It looks more simplistic. You you read that he's been working on it quite a bit and trying to get into a repetition kind of way and just make sure he's coming out the same point each and every time and struck out seven of uh, some of the regulars against the Cardinals. It wasn't no minor league team, but you know I know that more uh, Boyd will be looking like he'll be the sixth starter in Toledo, but I can't help but wonder out loud a little bit that is Boyd going to be the better starter than Norris? Because I mean, it's it just, it, there seemed like a lot more upside uh, Norris who pitched very well. I mean, pitched decently last year in the second half of the season for the Tigers. Chris, what are your thoughts about Matt Boyd over Norris? And if, I mean, Norris is still the front runner, but he's got to be losing ground a little bit. Don't you think? Yeah. I, I think that, uh, I don't know. You, you, one of the things that that worries me, you know, a lot of people worry about arm injuries with pitchers, but man, back injuries bother me almost as much as anything in any sport, really, because back injuries, it seems like they just crop up whenever you could just, you know, everything's going fine and suddenly your back hurts and you're out for two or three starts. Um, and, you know, your back's hurt and he, he's, you know, he was scratched from Saturday's start, I think it was, and pushed to today. And so he's clearly trying to like work through this. And when you're trying to work through an injury, you end up injuring other parts of your body. So that's that's an issue for me. And I, I do I think I think the fifth starter spot is probably now down to to Green and Boyd because they are kind of you know the two guys standing still. Yeah, I mean, in terms of injury, I mean, it's just it seems like that. No, you're absolutely right. And Ben, I know that we talked about this a little bit before the show about uh, the injuries that kind of crept in a little bit, but. Mm-hmm. What do you like Norris or Boyd as that fifth spot? Because I mean, Norris has to be the front runner, but what, what to you? Well, I know obviously there's a lot of pressure with Norris because he was that diamond jewel of, you know, the, the last trade that Dombrowski basically made with Toronto to send uh, price up there. But when you've only played in three games, your innings pitched is roughly around six. That's not good. That's not good at all. And it's something that if you're truly that that stud piece that comes in that trade, just take it easy. Ease him into it. I know a lot of people are eager to see Norris. They like the story. He survived cancer. He lives in a van. You know, he's this different character that is supposed to be really, really good at baseball. But if he's supposed to be your future you do anything to protect your future. You know, you, if you have, if you're sitting at a blackjack table and you think the dealer has blackjack, you should probably buy insurance. That's what the Tigers have to do here. And, and Matt Boyd is that insurance. He's not bad so far with, you know, the 3.2 ERA going through spring. He could very well fit in as that fifth starter going down the line. I mean, it's something that the Tigers obviously can work on and, and figure out. They still have a couple of weeks left. But he's not necessarily a bad option. No, and, and he's slated to be at AAA, and, and it's one of those things that we, you know, Chris and I have talked about before, him going, kind of being kind of a number one, number two starter in Toledo. But honestly, guys, I mean, the upside for Matt, to me, it, it's, we talked about this a little bit last year too, Ben, about the, the upside of both Norris and Boyd can provide. They're both lefties and a, a system that really has been right-handed dependent to have a, like you know technically to have those kind of lefties in your in your system is a luxury to have. So you know before we move on, I I just think that Boyd to me presents a different kind of uh, uniqueness to this rotation because the fact is the Tigers for for you know 
for what it's worth, have some really good depth down in AAA. And I think that if they send Norris down or Green, I think, I, I don't know, like, I'm going to call a shot in the dark, and I think that Boyd could be the fifth spot. I mean, I really think that Norris is back. And you're right, Chris. Back injuries are one of those things that are just nagging, and they never – it just it might take them you know, a month. It might take them the next two days. Who knows? But I think Matt Boyd's going to win the fifth spot. So I'm just going to call my shot right now and, and say that. So No, I, I could see that. I, I, the question of, of who's going to be better in the long term is is tough to answer. I think I, Norris is the guy who, who was always – much more highly rated. He was a higher draft pick. He's got he, he's got the better pure stuff, and he's three years younger than Matt Boyd. Um, and and in limited sample, they they both pitched about sixty innings in the majors, I think. And, and Norris has been better in his time in the majors. But you never you never ever know. Like I I never thought Drew Smiley would be as good as he's been uh, when he's healthy for for Tampa. You never know with with guys if they figure things out as they get older. And and injuries can derail anybody's career. Um, you know, the most promising pitchers in the world, you know, you know, Mark Pryor, his career was over after a couple of years because of injuries. So I, I think it's possible that Boyd could be better. I still, I, I like what Ben was saying, you know, this, there's, what's the rush to get uh, Daniel Norris back. He, he's, he's going to be a key piece of the future. You know, you've got, you've got these other guys who can step in and, and at least be average, hopefully, or, or slightly below average. Just, you know, give the kid time to, uh, to get back in gear and, and, let him get healthy and then come up and be a key piece for you when you need him. So I'm fine with Boyd starting the season in the rotation if that's the way it goes. And you look at the rest of the rotation right now. You know, Verlander uh, was upset about his velocity. You look at the start against where Bryce Harper hit two long home runs, and there is a cause of concern. And that's kind of like what I wanted to introduce the next subject is because right now the rotation, you know, with Sanchez coming back and looking pretty good, it's, you know, the surprise of the spring so far has been Mike Pelfrey, a guy who's been kind of criticized for the Tigers or by Tiger fans, I should say, for the signing. He's pitched very well, pitched very solid. And it's, you know, I'll start, Ben, I'll start with you on this. It's the rotation is the highly, the big question mark. But the, I mean, we, you've talked about this all the time. It's, the, it's been a theme with you for the last three years, musty JV and what have you. And, and no one's concerned about the loss of the, his velocity and his fastball, but should you be concerned with that? Well, I mean, there's always going to be some concern there, and it's been it's been reported. You know, it was reported throughout the year last year that his velocity is down, and there's something with Justin Verlander with that velocity that happens when you're injured. You have to, you know, you start overcompensating your, you know, if you, especially with a core injury, you're going to throw more with your shoulder. And with then you are going to be like, you know, generating the power from your legs. So I think he's still trying to find himself, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But granted, Justin Verlander is getting up there in age. So there's always going to be that concern of a, you know, drop in velocity and, you know, drop in stuff. But I don't trust radar guns. If you're still blowing, if it's not like when he was going up against the Nationals, it's not like they could really hit the ball. The only person that could hit the ball is a guy who's a pretty damn good hitter in Bryce Harper. <laughs> yes. So it's something that I'm not concerned about it necessarily. If it starts to, if if normal average guys start to drill Justin Verlander later on this year, well then yes, I will be the first one who's just screaming at the top of my lungs, ringing that bell, saying, "Oh my God, it's over." Yeah. Then yes, I will totally be that person. But right now, it's it's spring. 
he still looks very, very good. He looks promising. It's going to be nice to see him, you know, take the ball first as the Tigers ace. I'm, I'm not concerned at all. Yeah, the, the, I mean, those were the first three runs he's given up in the spring, I think. And, and like, like yeah. Ben said, you know, Bryce Harper might be the best hitter on the planet or the second best hitter on the planet behind, well, you know, top three uh, behind Mickey and Trout. But uh, what, one of the things that's interesting, you know, when I saw him pitch, he, he was in the low 90s this, this spring, and, and his fastball looked like it had nice late explosion, good late movement, what you like to see. Um, and one of the things, StatCast did a cool article about Verlander in the second half of last year about how he began throwing his fastball up higher in the zone. And it turns out that he has – StatCast keeps track of the, the spin rate – on fastballs. Wow. And yo, no, it's awesome. And he, he's on the, he may have led the majors in spin rate for his fastball. He was in the top five. Um, and what that means on the four seam fastball, you know, you'll hear guys talk about the, the, the pitch rising. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't really rise. You'd have to throw it with like 3,700 RPMs. And, and we're talking more like 2,600 here. But what it means is that the ball drops slower and, and to, to hitters, it looks like it's rising and, and, you know, they swing and when they swing, the ball isn't where they think it's going to end up. And he, it, that, that was part of his success in the second half of the season. And, and the, the interesting thing is one of the other guys who th- throws his uh, fastball with a, a super high uh, spin rate is Chris Young, who for years has thrown his fastball like 88 miles an hour and just blows, blows guys away and nobody could ever figure it out. And this is why it's the spin rate. So I think as long as Verlander could keep that up, and I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. I think it'd be okay. It's just a matter of, you know, everybody loses their velocity eventually. You just have to adjust a little bit. And if that means more fastballs up, then I think he'll figure it out. I think he figured it out last year. So, Well, I mean, even, hell, look at Boston and Tim Wakefield. That guy threw a knuckleball ba- barely mm-hmm. 50 miles an hour, and he, no one could hit it. I mean, this is yeah. stuff that you see. If you go down the street to a local beer league softball team, that's about the pitch you're seeing, and guys that are getting paid $13 million a year still can't hit it. So, yeah, I mean, it's something – I mean, I'm, I'm not going to get as deep and analytical as spin rate because that's – I mean, that is impressive. That's next-level stuff. Don't get me wrong. But, yeah. it, I mean, if, yeah, if, if you're swinging and missing, it doesn't matter what the velocity is. Tim Wakefield made a career and lasted five, maybe six years longer than he should based on that. Yeah, and you know, Chris, that's a great stat to bring up, which is why I had to bring in Chris Brown at some point to be a regular on this because of that kind of stuff. But look, I bring up the 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 argument of the fan, which is going to be every fan out there has their doubts about Justin Verlander. And, you know, Chris is right. The second half of last year, and I look at it from his stuff overall, he looked like he was starting to pitch with feel rather than just going rear and back and just throwing a fastball to blow everybody away. And it takes – in your second half of your career, and it seems like most baseball pitchers have to adjust. I mean, look at the case in point with uh, Francisco Rodriguez, K-Rod. The guy has had to make an adjustment from being a you know, a guy who blew people away with his fastball to being a change-up, you know, you know, pitching a lot of uh, off-speed stuff to get guys out. So I think Verlander's in that period of adjustment. But I wanted to present that as kind of like the typical fan who's just going to sit there and say, well, it's not, it's not Tracy, it's not Musty JV, blah, 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 with the – 12-6 curveball. Instead, you might see a different a guy with finesse who has to pitch with finesse and kind of use his brains a little bit. And that kind of shows what kind of pitcher Justin Verlander is anyways. And I think that for the Tigers to really, I mean, right now, as I stand right now, I think the Tigers, in my opinion, as of March 22nd, 
are going to finish third. If they're going to finish first, they really need – and it goes without saying. It's kind of like the obvious. Well, the, the rotation has to do well. But I think the rotation has to go a little bit and beyond and have three guys at least – at least throw at least 175 to 200 innings to kind of – they really need a lot for their top three. And, and to have the Verlander lead the way to have them pitch with touch and, and be able to get guys out is, is important. So, Well, I mean – uh, not, not to cut you off, but it, I mean, it's the age old thing that you'll hear from any baseball manager. There's a difference between being a thrower and being a pitcher. And it, it's something that Justin Verlander banged his head against the wall for the past two, three years about because he's used to ramping up later on as the games go on. He's he's slowly figuring out to be a pitcher. And that's what fans like. Right. There was a whole ad campaign about chicks digging the long ball and blowing people away, you know, as as a pitcher. That's why Joel Zamaya, every time it hit a hundred on that gun, everyone went nuts. It's not all about, you know, just gripping it and ripping it. You have to be crafty. You have to be smart. Sometimes being a pitcher is not a bad thing versus just being a hurler. So, I mean, fans can think what they want. I mean, yes, it's not sexy. Granted, the Spurs don't play sexy basketball, but they win championships with it. And I don't hear anyone in San Antonio complaining. That's a good it, it, I was gonna say it's just it's just something that you have to add perspective to. Yeah. I, I, I granted I I know people are looking for guys that are just gonna blow people away, paint corners, maybe get a little tough on the inside, but you know it's not it's not bad if you're just gonna be crafty. It's it is not a bad thing. It it is it is you know something that kind of comes naturally with baseball. Granted, yes, you want to see gr- guys like Bryce Harper going over the batter's eye 450 feet or however far he hit it the other day. And you want to see guys like Justin Verlander gunning it at 97 miles an hour, 96 miles an hour in the fourth and fifth inning. It, but that's not winning baseball. That's not going to get you baseball. There's a reason why baseball is also predicated around a term called small ball. Small ball is not a bad thing. And sometimes a division of that, like I said, between being a pitcher and a thrower is learning that and you can actually help your team on offense if they're working through small ball by being that pitcher, being smart, being crafty with it. It's it's not a bad thing. No, it's not a bad thing at all. And it, and, and every pitcher seems to be they have to kind of make that adjustment. I mean, you look at another guy, a former Tiger, Frank Tana, guy used to be a flamethrower with the Angels and he was the best junk ball pitchers of all time. Let's talk about really quick before we get out of here. I wanted to address the cuts the Tigers made of their First series of cuts, and not, a lot of names are no surprise. You look at Jacoby Jones, who still has still have to serve his uh, suspension. Mike Gruber, who will look like I think he is he starting the season in Double A, Chris, or is he going back? Uh, that, no, that's the th- the thought. He he was a little bit old for Low A West Michigan last year, and he dominated. So, and and he's gotten a lot of buzz uh, ever since the Arizona Fall League where, you know, a lot of evaluators are out there and they, they were impressed by him and he's looked good in the spring. I think Osmus himself said that he stood out to him. So it would, it would shock me if he were anywhere other than Erie to begin the year. Okay. And there was another guy I wanted to ask you about was Tommy field who mm. I read an article about him on uh, motor city Bengals. And I was kind of interested to hear your thoughts about, I mean, we, we already talked a little bit about Dominic, uh, Ficcello, Ficcello. I, I actually, I was actually looking up his pronunciation on baseball reference. So, um, but Tommy field, tell me a little more about Tommy field, Chris, and in terms of a, a future possible utility, uh, player. Yeah, I think, I think that is his role. I mean, he's, he's seen time in the majors. I think he's, yeah, he's kind of like 50, 50 games in the majors, 
with a number of teams. So he's been around a while. He's sort of a a second baseman shortstop. I think he stretched at shortstop, but a, a second baseman who could who could come in and he you know, he could fill in, be a decent defender. Uh, he doesn't have a whole lot of pop, but you know uh, he, he could get out there and make some contact. I don't know uh, if he's. I, I think if you're playing Tommy Field every day, you're in trouble. <laughs> but it, but as we discussed in the minor league report a while back, you know the Tigers really kind of decimated their middle infield depth through trades, uh, and so so he was a guy to add. He and, and the Cody Eaves guy they got from the Angels for Jeffrey Marte. Those are a couple, and then the, you know that uh, that that Cuban kid they signed. They they really did a, a nice job of adding depth to the middle infield in the minors at least. I don't know if any of those guys are going to have an impact in the majors ever, but it uh, you know gives you some emergency solutions. Yeah. And, and especially with the fact that you look at, you're right across the board, there's nobody even above, I believe double a that really could be serviceable at, at the triple a level right now. I mean, it's the infields are kind of decimated outside of West Michigan and Lakeland. Uh, even Erie is going to have a struggle getting some players in there too as well. But excuse me, with Goober or Gerber, excuse me, Mm-hmm. Tiger minor league player of the year last year, 292, 31 doubles, 10 triples, and 13 home runs. And this is a guy who I think could be a possible – I mean, I, I think it might be a little bull, but if he hits well in the area, I think he's a possible call-up for the Tigers come spring – or excuse me, come summer, especially if there's any more injuries to an outfield that right now Maven the, – the Ben, uh, set up the quote for me. What did Maven say he was going to do when he, uh, when he was good and ready? Oh, that that quote. Let me quickly find it for you. You caught me, caught me flat-footed. Okay. Maven yeah. said, when I'm ready, I'll be good and ready. So, yeah, it's something that, you know, would, it's, just, it's just something that, granted, yes, that's, that is a quote that oozes confidence, but I immediately thought of Top Gun. There's that scene where Goose just dies, and Maverick is forced back out into training, and then his co-pilot's like, we could have had him, man. We could have It's that whole scene. And then he... Tom Cruise just turns around and says, I will fire when I'm goddamn good and ready. You got that? That's what I, that's, that's what I totally, totally read that quote like. It's just maybe you know, probably a little bit of frustrated, but showing a little bit of bravado. So when he's the, ready, he'll be good and ready, Roger. Don't worry. You know, you ruined the move for me. I've never seen Top Gun, so, you know. There we have is. to change that. We have, uh, we have to change that. It, it is a rite of passage watching the volleyball scene. Every guy's done it. We've gotten what? through it. It is a rite of passage. Right a pa- you know, I've heard I've heard more about that volleyball scene than I ever cared to know. It's so. really freaking weird that it's in the middle of that movie. That's why you've heard a lot yeah. about it. You know, Chris, I don't know what your favorite uh, Top Gun or excuse me, Tom Cruise movie is of all time in that period of time, but I would have to say mine is uh Days of Thunder. Uh let's see, yeah. I never been a huge Cruise fan. Uh let's see. What what did he do back in the eighties? So yeah, you had Days of Thunder, you had uh well, was he was a in cocktail. Outside, yeah, Ricky, risky business, all the right risky moves. Business. Outsiders. God, he's been in Outside. a lot of stuff, man. Jesus. Yeah, we talked about Magnolia on on the show a while back, which was yeah, I love that like movie. later in his career. Yeah, it's a long, it's a long movie, but it was interesting. Right. But yeah, he he was really good in that. Yeah, I love that movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I mentioned about Michael Gerber. Just to go back to that real quick, uh, did I ever mention to you that his his fiance is Miss Wyoming? No, I did not know that. Yeah, she. Uh, I asked him about that last year. He would. He went to Creighton. He actually played center field in college, but he's probably more of a right fielder or left fielder in the pros. And that's where he met the, this girl. And uh, she's, yeah, she's from Wyoming. And it's not the Miss America pageant. It's like the other one that Trump runs, I think, or used to run. Oh, Miss USA. 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but she was Miss Wyoming from that, so that was kind of an interesting tidbit there. And uh, no, I mean, I think you're right. He could he could come up and help as a lefty bat. Uh, it's it's sort of an Andy Dirks profile a little bit, like a, a solid all around player, not necessarily above average in any any one category, but a guy who could help out. I think. Yeah, and, and we hope so. I mean, there, Andy Dirks is I don't know where, where Dirks is now. Toronto. He was in Toronto. I don't know if he's played. Yeah, I don't know where he is. I have to check in. Uh, I remember everybody yeah. wanted to start. I remember that, and I was just like, no, no. <laughs> kind of scary and you look at defensively even at shortstop and you were, we talked about this earlier in the preseason whether we're going to get a shortstop with jimmy rollins and they had a prospect that that was up or that's in is he in charlotte or is he in double a right now tim anderson i think uh i think he's in triple a he may be in double a I, I haven't uh, i haven't paid a whole lot of attention to him but yeah he, he's a guy who if they continue to win like this and he's doing what he's supposed to be doing we'll see him we'll see him in may or june probably Although the White Sox are also not opposed to trading, they're, they're you know very, very aggressive when it comes to trading prospects. So if they you know get an offer for some really good pitcher and they, or a good bat, they might move him. But I, I see him coming up soon and, and contributing. Yeah, especially because I mean Rollins is getting in terms of age and his fielding percentage is at ninety six percent. So I mean, can't you know buyer beggars can't be choosers, but. Defensively, he's not. He doesn't have the range. He's got two errors, but he's still doing. I mean, he's still a solid defender. So mm-hmm. let's look at the farm system. Let's go on Toledo. Is there any standouts in Toledo to you this week? Uh, well, I, I, Steve Moya has another home run. Uh, he's up to six now. Let's see. Beyond that, nobody is really you know separating themselves from the pack. And, and you know, in, in Toledo, there you got a lot of journeyman on the roster. I think Logan Kensing hasn't given up a run since he went back down there, but that's, you know, nothing to get super happy about. But yeah, basically you're, you're just kind of looking. Norris has been really up and down, unfortunately, and so has Boyd. And we really like to see some consistency from those guys and consistently, consistently good. But uh, beyond those two and Moya and Machado, it's, there's not a whole lot to, to write home about for Toledo. In terms of uh, let's look at Erie for a quick second. There's a there's a couple, <coughs> excuse me, a couple of uh, guys that, um, you know, again we talked about Erie and the weird place they're in right now with renewing the the team lease and or the mm-hmm. back with the ball club and everything. But there's a guy you mentioned, um, a guy who I think has been doing a very good job, and that's uh Dean Green who continues to hit with power. Uh, he's got five home runs so far, and in Eastern League, correct me if I'm wrong, it's kind of. If you're hitting good, if you're hitting above 300 in Double uh, A Eastern League, that's that's a good sign, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean it's a good sign anywhere. The, the Eastern League isn't as hard to hit in as the Midwest League or the Florida State League. So you know the two lower leagues for the, in the Tiger system. But uh, and it particularly Jerry Ute Park, which is where that the Sea Wolves play. There's a very, 
I think the the left field wall I think is like 310 feet away, or you know maybe it's closer than that. So it, if you see guys uh, right-handed hitters hitting for power there, it's not a huge shock. But uh, but you know Green Green is a Dean Green is a, an interesting guy, and in that he's he's like 100% pure all bat player. He's slow. He's terrible defender at first. He can't play anywhere else. Um, <laughs> and, and he's always been a really good hitter, but his power has just sort of been average to maybe slightly above average. And it's just, it's tough to find a place for that guy to play. I don't, I, don't, I wouldn't really consider him a prospect at this point, uh, but he, he's definitely a guy who can hit. You know, it's, it's, it's a strange twist of fate that, you know, you, you're, you've got this ability to hit the ball, something that most people can't do, but you're, you suck at everything else. So you can't, you can't play. It's, it's a shame, but uh, you know, it's still nice. Yeah. He was, I think he was the Eastern league player of the week. I think he hit three home runs last week and, and probably hit close to 500. But uh, I, I don't think we'd ever see him in Detroit unless something drastic happens. Like, you know, he hits 30 home runs in the next 30 games or, you know, Cabrera gets mauled by a tiger. Or yeah. Or, you know, Victor, something happens with Victor because he does seem like he's going to be a career DH or so. Uh, let's look at Lakeland. Lakeland looks a little more promising. There's uh, There's been really some good guys that stand out in Lakeland right now. And uh, one was the prospect that the Tigers picked up from Toronto. The other part of the, the kind of the forgotten piece there. And let's talk about uh, Laborte and what what kind of numbers, some eye-popping numbers down in Lakeland. Yeah, no, Labor is is a guy with a nasty, you know, he's he's got – a fastball in the low to low to mid nineties, you know, he's a lefty. He'll get his fastball up to 95 and it's got tons of sink on it. It's, it's super hard to, to square up. And every now and then he'll, he'll flash a plus slider in an average changeup. I, I heard one scout compare him to Francisco Liriano, but that's at his best. And most of the time he can't find the plate and he certainly can't put it where he needs to, but it, he's repeating uh, high A this year, and he's really he's pitching well. Aside from the walks, which are an issue, I think he's walked you know fifteen guys in about twenty innings, something like that. Yeah, I, I have, yeah, fifteen walks in twenty one innings. Yep. So it, it's it's an arm that you love, and it's uh, it it behooves the Tigers to continue to throw him out there as a starting pitcher because if something clicks, you've got. You know, his ceiling is is as high as Fulmer's, or maybe even higher as a starter. The odds of that happening are probably below one percent. But uh, you know, keep trying. And then you know, once he gets up to Double A, if if they are uh, if they're satisfied or, or convinced that he's not going to be a starter, then you move him to the bullpen and let him just you know let loose, and you got yourself maybe like a Franklin Morales lefty reliever who throws in the high 90s and doesn't really know where it's going but still gets guys out and before we get to christian stewart and his insane power numbers another guy who i i, I was kind of hoping that this guy would kind of bust out a little bit um i liked him in west michigan last year and that's jeff thompson the third round draft pick out of louisville uh, one of the college starters the tigers picked up a few years ago um his numbers don't i mean he's got the little era but his numbers he's got six he's got 13 walks and 17 innings pitched he's got 16 strikeouts but is this guy going to be? I mean, he's not even. I don't think he's in the top thirty right now for the Tigers. But is this guy going to? Is this guy on the move? Is this guy kind of going to be on the cusp or something from what you've seen so far? Uh, you know, I, I I don't think so. Unfortunately, he was a, a promising. Like you said, yeah, they they took him early rounds out of Louisville, and uh, 
he was a he was a starter slash outfielder as I believe. Um, and he's you know he, he was a guy who was up to ninety four and, and had a pretty good slider, but didn't have a whole, whole lot of uh, uh, pitching experience. And he was okay in his first year in uh, West Michigan, and then he got hurt, and I, I think it was a shoulder. And if I'm not mistaken, he came back and, and was you know struggling to hit ninety. I haven't heard any scouting reports about him this year, but you know I, I don't think he's got the stuff right now to to be much of a prospect. I but like I said, I haven't seen any prospect uh, reports from him this year, so maybe it's coming back for him. But but I wouldn't. I wouldn't hold my breath for him, unfortunately. Just he could be a guy who tops out in high A or double A. Kind of, yeah. It, it's one of those things I was thinking about earlier was just how how that that fares out with that. So I thought it was an interesting name to bring up because he, he was one of those guys that you really um, you you had some high hopes for, and it kind of exactly not I want to say panned out or fanned out per se, but there's still t- whether he has time or not in the system, but. The guy who's going to have a bright – looks like he has a bright future right now is Christian Stewart. Despite the bat, low batting average, he's got nine home runs and 18 RBIs right now in Lakeland. And he's been he's been hitting – him and uh, – I, I know that Mike Gerber is off to a bad start right now, but Christian Stewart, talk about his play so far in Lakeland. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, it's getting kind of silly. I think he hit his eighth home run yesterday and hit his ninth today. And and I said, you know, I do the, the minor league updates every week. And every week I've been like, all right, well – which teams does he have more home runs than now? I mean, he really is. He's out hitting a bunch of teams in the Florida State League. Um, it, it's really hard to hit home runs down there, but it's not hard for him, and it, it's impressive. Yeah, like you said, I, coming in tonight, I think he had 20 hits, and 12 of them were for extra bases. And he was only hitting like 210, and that's slightly concerning. Um, you know, he's, his strikeouts are a little bit high, but he's walking a fair amount. Yeah, he's he's a guy who hits just tons and tons of fly balls. When I was, I actually went and I talked to uh, the hitting coach in West Michigan last year, where Stewart played for for the second half of the season, and they said they were working with him, trying to get him to to not hit so many fly balls, just because you know it's affecting his average. But he's putting him over the fence now, so it's kind of it's kind of tough to tell him to change. Um, it, it may just be that. Uh, he may have to, you know, and he's probably pretty happy with all these home runs, as he should be. So he might he might be trying even harder, you know, going up there and trying to hit a home run every time. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't know. You know, when, when I did my own personal rankings uh, for the Tigers, I had him one spot behind Stephen Moya, I think, because I thought that there was a chance he could end up very much like Moya. I don't, I don't think his raw power is quite the same as Moya's. His, his usable power is probably about the same. But uh, I think it, it could be a low batting average guy with a lot of strikeouts and, and a lot of home runs. Now, Stewart has shown the ability to walk more so far. But as he goes up, uh, I question that. Um, just And I'm not a scout. The few times I've seen him, though, he, he seems to have had trouble with curveballs. So yeah, it's just tough to say. But I, I don't want to throw water on the party. It's 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 an amazing start, you know, it's almost 10 home runs, fewer than 30 games in the season. And a, and a league that's notoriously hard for hitting home runs in, too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, no, it's not throwing water on You're being realistic, and there's nothing wrong with that. And, and um, what, what it, the question, the last question I have for you tonight as we end the podcast is, is this question legitimate? Is Ian Kinsler a Hall of Fame player? Or is uh, 
Chris Mikowski wrote earlier as he, he's approaching Hall of Fame pace. And um, I don't know about that. I thought that was an interesting, you know, it was a, you know, a provoked, you know, it's a good article and he, he brings up some good points. I mean, he'd be the 40th player in major league history to hit um, over a thousand runs, 2000 stolen bases, 1500 hits and 200 home runs in his career. Um, you know, enjoying names like Derek Jeter, Robin Yao, Craig Biggio and Barry Bonds. But um, Ian Kilzer has, you know, talk about the career war and, and how he's top 10. I mean, right now, I mean, you talk about, you know, Josh, Donaldson, or you talk about guys like Trout and Harper and Ian Kilzer's top 10 war. Now, you know, Chris, I know you're a stat guy. So my question to you is, I mean, in terms of how hall of fame, maybe that might be a stretch and he, and he's, he's doing a very good job, but the impact on his team, the trade for Prince Fielder has been one of the, the best swindle jobs the Tigers have ever done. But hall of fame, is that, is that too much to say at this point? I think it is. I, you know, I'm not a huge Hall of Fame guy, but I do, you know, I do love stats, like you said. And I, even last year, I was looking and I go, you know, Kinsler's approaching 200 home runs and 200 steals, uh, and, and I think there have only been a small handful of second basemen who have done that. And it's guys like, you know, uh, uh, Craig Biggio, I think maybe has done it. Uh, Joe Morgan. Joe I think. Morgan. Yeah, it's there's some Hall of Famers there. I, I think to to my thinking Ian Kinsler is sort of a hall of very good player along with like, you know, Torrey Hunter guys who are really damn good major league players, but not quite at that level. Now the thing is Kinsler has been, he's been really good uh, the last two years and it's, you know, age 32 and age 33 season. I think he turns 34 this year. If he keeps up doing what he's done the last few years, it's, it's possible. He's got an outside shot, but that's, you just don't see that a whole lot. Um, and it would it would also help, you know. Hall of Fame is such a strange, subjective thing. It, it helps to be on championship teams. It helps to win awards. I don't think he's won any awards. Uh, maybe maybe uh, you know, Gold Glove, Silver Slugger. But you know, he's never been an MVP caliber player. So you know, it's 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 fun to think about, but I don't think it's legit. I mean, you know, we're in a town here where Lou Whitaker is has one of the highest wins above replacement numbers of anybody not in the Hall of Fame. And we're talking about Ian Kinsler making the, the, the Hall of Fame. It, it, I don't know. It, uh, yeah. He's he's a, he's a good player, and I'm glad the Tigers have him. But I don't I don't see the uh, the Hall of Fame case, at least not right now. Call call me back in three years. Yeah, and I, and that's the kind of way I look at it too. Is that I mean, yeah, you're right. You look at Lou Whitaker, and I mean, ask how you know we, if we want to ask in this town about how the MVP matters, just ask George Bell in 1987 over. Yeah. I mean, is it is one of those ancient arguments? Is he in the Hall of Fame if he wins the MVP over George Bell? Who knows? But that that those kind of that does matter in terms of the subject. It's very subjective when it comes to Hall of Fame. Um, that kind of stuff does go a long way. And the way the baseball writers are, it's so it's so interesting. And like just watching it from a middle point of view, you think you know, like you guys like Jim Rice, who I thought was a very good player, but somehow he got in the Hall of Fame. I don't. know. That's my opinion. Jim Rice shouldn't been in the Hall of Fame, but whatever. No, I mean the, the the really questionable Hall of Fame guys are like those '70s relievers, like uh, is it Bruce Suter? Is is he in the Hall of Fame? It's, it's, Fame yeah, it's, it's like, I mean, those guys wouldn't sniff the Hall of Fame if they were playing now. It's it's, it's strange, but you know, I think he might have been a Veterans Committee guy. But I don't know. There, there was one other thing I wanted to talk about tonight with, uh, with James McCann coming back. Yes, go ahead. If you want to talk about. Um, 
just the the idea it it, it bothers me that he's going to start come back and be playing just about every day again. Um, not not just because Saldamaki has played really well. I mean, I think he's he's played up above his head, obviously, but I I really don't think McCann is is nearly as good as the Tigers think he is, and uh, even past that, I, I don't think he's as good as Tigers fans think he is. He's a uh, I, I would much rather see a strict platoon with McCann and Salto Lamakia. Um, I think, you know, McCann's career numbers. So I don't know if you're familiar with the, the stat weighted run created or weighted runs created plus. I don't, it's, that's a, that's a, that's a stat that's new to me. So I don't know too much yeah, about yeah. Go ahead and uh, form the masses. Well, it, it basically, it just is a measure of your overall offensive contributions. It takes, it takes sort of the weighted on base average, uh, which is, scaled to look like on base average but also folds in slugging with on base it's you kind of have to go back so it's like an ops but uh weights on base more and then you take that and you, you convert it into sort of a a one or a 100 scale so 100 would be completely major league average a 100 weighted runs created plus and any number above that is a percentage point above average and any number below is, is a percentage point below average so McCann in his career is like a 128 weighted runs created plus against lefties. So he's 28% better than the average player, but against righties, it's 63. Um, and it's almost the exact opposite for Salta Lamakia against, uh, against righties. He's like one, 110 and against lefties, it's, it's 63. So it's like, it's an ideal situation for them to offensively, at least for them to run a strict platoon. But the Tigers really, really like McCann's defense, and I, I just don't agree. I think he's got an, he's got a great arm. He's good at blocking pitches and stuff like that, but I don't think he calls a good game. I don't think he's a good framer, and he's he's really, you know, he doesn't take walks. He doesn't hit for power. I, I think, uh, I don't know. I'm just not a huge fan. So I just wanted to get that off my chest before we leave tonight. No, and that's and it, and you know what? It, it didn't help either that you know. <coughs> They're talking about the Wilson trade and the comment that uh, Osmus wasn't too concerned about McCann was hitting during the rehab. He was oh, he was batting two for twenty two, uh, mm-hmm. ninety one, and uh, he said, and this is a quote that kind of made me like a jo- Joey Blue Skies here. Quote: I actually talked to jo- Lloyd McClellan, and he said Lloyd McClellan, and he said that he didn't get any hits, but he was hitting the crap out of the ball. Osmus said almost got two home runs last game, which is kind of you know Mister Blue Sky, mm-hmm. whatever, which is fine. Um, and I think you're right. I think it's you know. I, I, I've come to McCann is a solid receiver. He's a guy who does does block well and everything. And I think they should keep the platoon. I think Sakamakia has deserved to stay in the lineup at least twice a week. And that's something that that has been talked about a little bit on social media. But there's your point is valid, you know, Chris. I think that I think that the Tigers are just excited that they have something homegrown. Out of their mm-hmm. you look at Nick Castellanos right now, who leads the league in he leads the American League in batting average. Uh, he had another hit in the eighth inning right now. He's been it's like night and day. And the see yeah. the Tigers actually have a couple guys out of their system that play in key positions. I think that's what Tiger fans are excited about. I mean, maybe that maybe that's what Tiger fans are still excited about. No, I, I think you're right. I, I'm sort of pessimistic, and I think I I think they look at the catcher and. The- see a strong arm and they see a batting average that isn't you know below 250 and that's all they want um and that you know maybe that's fine i just i want uh i want a little bit more i want a, a catcher who 
who's good at framing and maybe I want too much. The catching is, is, is at a low point across the majors this year and also across the minors and there are no catchers in the draft. So I guess maybe I should just be happy they have a young catcher at all. But, uh, yeah, no, I know, no, no, but you know, you're not to be pessimistic, but it's realistic. I mean, people have to be realistic. And so there's, there's nothing wrong with your point about that. So, uh, thank you so much for listening to Tiger says hurting on sports, really Don't forget to check out all our great content. Download us on our Podbeam app. 